The very first week of the series, we started in John 21, and this week we are going to go back to John 21. Well, we're going to bless you. Um, we're going to go back to John 21, look at it again, and we're going to look at 1 Peter 4 and um, Philippians 3 by the end, okay? In between the first week and this week, we talked about two other questions. We talked about what is love? And does God love you? Okay? And so the week Garrison talked, and he talked about what is love. The, the thing that he wanted you to get across, get across to you was love is not something that you get to determine. Love is something that is shown by God, and we know it because God is love. Right? And he talked about that love is not God, but that God is love. Okay? And then last week we looked at the question, does God love you? Right? We brought it a little bit more personal to just say, okay, what is love? But maybe you understand what love is, but have you ever thought about, does God love you personally, you? Does he love Cole? Does he love Jaden? Does he love Molly? Personally, you, right? And we brought it really, really close down to say, okay, if God loves me, how am I supposed to see that in my life? Over the past or present or future, how am I supposed to see that God loves me when things are hard, when life isn't great, or my story is hard, or when things are good? But how do I know that God loves me? And we finally brought to um, a call to remember, right? A call to remember that God is good even in our bad, hard seasons. That he is redeeming us. He is changing us. He is causing us to see how much he loves us in hard seasons. Because guess what? As we said last week, God is more, con- uh, God is more, uh, boy, I can't work. It's more important to him, your holiness, than your happiness. Your holiness is more important to God than your happiness. So what does that mean? That means that your looking like Jesus matters more to God than you being happy. And the hard thing about that statement is most of us in this room, including myself, have many days where I hate that. Because I, I just want to be happy. I don't, I'm not okay with the fact that God... It's changed me to look more like Jesus because honestly, like, there's some days where I'm just like, I don't really want that. It's hard. But in the larger picture, as Tori pointed out last week, it's the best way that God can love you is to make you and me look more like Jesus. So this week, we're going to go back again to John 21, the conversation between Peter and Jesus. And then we're going to look at, um, once we look at this conversation again, we're going to look tonight specifically about suffering, right? Everyone just got really excited because they used the word suffering. Everyone loves talking about suffering. And specifically tonight, we're not going to address suffering in the world in general. What I'm not going to address tonight, although it's important, is why do bad things happen to me in the world? What I am going to talk about tonight, though, is are you as a Christian called to suffer for Christ? Is suffering part of following Jesus? So first, let's look at John 21. Um, We're going to start in verse three. Again, this is the conversation that ends up happening here between Peter and Jesus. Jesus is already resurrected from the dead. He's come back. He's already met his disciples one time. 
And to lay a little groundwork here, do you remember what happened to Peter when Jesus was going to the cross? He denied him three times, right? Three different times. People asked, don't you know him? And Peter was like, no, no, not me, not me, not me. And now Jesus has come back and he is about to sit down for a dinner with Peter. I hope you're already feeling the tension because it's absolutely there. All right, so verse three, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. <laughs> I, I just read this in like Simon's probably frustrated, anger, angry personality. That's just like, I'm going fishing. Um, and they said to him, well, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So Simon, gosh, bad, bad night. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? Right? Jesus is, is kind of um, joking with them here. He knows they don't have fish. So he's kind of asking them, like, hey, you got fish? And, they're like, and what do they say? No. Okay. Well, just cast your net then on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. Automatically, there should be sparking in their brain of a memory here. And possibly a memory from the Gospels that you're recalling. So they cast it to the other side. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. They literally could not pull their net into the boat because there were so many fish. And that disciple whom Jesus loved, who was John, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. Okay, here's the moment for Peter. John identifies that that is Jesus standing on the shore. And what does Peter do in this moment? Peter heard that it was the Lord and he put on his outer garment. I don't know who puts on clothes before they get in the water. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but that was a custom of the day. For he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, about a hundred yards off, right? So Peter's not even going to wait for them to row a hundred yards. He's going to like dive into the water and try to swim to the shore. He's trying probably to redeem himself. He's like, all right, I've got to get to Jesus. I've got to figure out, are we okay? Like, are you going to forget me? I, I got to figure it out. So he's diving into the water and the rest of the disciples is really funny, right? Because they're just like, okay, Peter, you guys were like a hundred yards, but if you feel like you're going to swim, I just think it's some comedy here from the disciples. Um, and specifically John, one of the disciples who's writing this story. And it says, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net. Again, hilarious, right? It doesn't say any of the other disciples. Peter's like, oh yeah, yeah, I got the fish, I got the net. Drag this huge net of 153 fish. Like, he is trying his best to make it okay with Jesus. And finally, Jesus said, come then and have breakfast. Um, now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish, again, bread and fish, common. You should be remembering this. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples. Again, three. There's just so many things in here. After he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter. Now pause for a second. This means that they had a whole meal with this tension. 
Peter and Jesus have not closed this account. It's still awkward. Like, I made eye contact with you, and you literally looked in my eyes and said, I don't know you. It's awkward right now. Right, it's awkward. Okay, so in this tension, Jesus finally, the breakfast is over, he says, Simon, son of John. And he says this three times, Simon, son of John. Three times he calls him by his, what would be, full name. Again, this is weird. This would be like your mom or dad calling you by your full name. You would know that something pretty serious is about to be talked about, right? When your mom or dad calls you by your full name. How many of y'all have parents that do that to you? Any of y'all? Yeah. You know it's serious in that moment, right? Something serious is coming. And Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Three times. And after the last question, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Peter is broken in this moment. He's broken because the teacher, the savior, the person, the Messiah that he has followed, he knows that he failed and he failed that three times. And Jesus says this, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And after saying this, he said to him, once more time, one more time, follow me. We see so many things in this story that are pointing out all kinds of reminders to Peter. The first is what we already mentioned, which is the first miracle that Peter was called by Jesus in was casting his net on the other side of the boat. All the way back in Luke 5, in one of the other Gospels, that was the first call. That was the first miracle that brought Peter to Jesus. And now Jesus is doing what? He's reminding him of something. You are not a fisherman. I have called you to fish for men. Don't go back to your other job because you failed. I've already called you to something bigger. And then another reminder, there are two times in the Gospel of John where the word charcoal fire is used. Do you know when the other one is? Any guesses? This is our one. The only other place charcoal fire is used is the fire that Peter is around when he denies Jesus. As Peter was sitting at dinner staring at the charcoal fire, he knew. He knew in that moment. Jesus, you know exactly how much I betrayed you. And he was so grieved. I could just see Peter, like like many people do, staring into the fire. And he's seeing the charcoal and he's remembering that whole situation. He knows the people that were standing around the fire with him. And he knows when he looked up and he made eyes Jesus. He could feel that tension in the moment. Now, Jesus's response to Peter's failure and betrayal is beautiful. Peter 
is broken. Peter knows that he failed. Peter knows that there was a big moment. All of his following Jesus. Do you know he was the disciple that was always like, I am with you till the end. You can go anywhere to the ends of the earth and I will be there. Guess what? He wasn't. He got his chance. And he failed. In that moment, in that moment, Peter was broken. But Jesus, like the gracious Savior he is, does not yell at him. Jesus could have easily, when they came on shore, he could have been like, really, Peter? Like, big talk, didn't walk the walk. Like, seriously, you had the moment three times. Like, maybe after the first time, it's like, okay, you could have passed. But the second time, not even then, and a third time, he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. In this moment, he pauses and he says, do you love me? That's the only thing he asks. Do you love me? There are many of us, including myself, sitting in here tonight who need to hear Jesus. One question. I know what you've carried into this room tonight. I know the big ways that you have failed. I know the big ways that you've betrayed me. I know the ways in which the sin in your life you hold on to that has happened in your past or is happening in your present, and you have decided Jesus is going to cast me aside. He can't use me because of who I am and what I've done. He can't forgive me. Surely he's going to yell at me when I come back to him. Surely he's going to be disappointed in me. But just like Peter, I want you to hear this. He's not. The only thing he needs to hear from you is, hey, we're going to acknowledge what happened in the past, and we're going to leave it there. What I need to know from you in this moment is, do you still love me? I acknowledge everything you've done in your past. And guess what? The reason I went to the cross is because I knew you were going to betray me. It's because I knew you were going to fail. That's why I went to the cross. But Peter, listen. You have more to do. You and I and Peter have been called by God have been called by Jesus. We have work to do. If we continue just to look into our past and to feel guilty and shameful and doubtful that Jesus would ever want us or abuse us, we're missing Jesus' response. We're missing that he has already paid for that and he's telling Peter, I see it and I paid for it. Now let's turn our eyes to the future. Let's turn our eyes to the present situation. And what does he say to him? He says, then feed my lambs. 
It's not like, do you love me? Oh, well, you didn't really then, and maybe you will in the future. No, no. All he says is, just feed my lambs. Just feed my people. Just follow me from now. We have work to do. Here's the good news. Jesus recommissions. He recalls Peter with love and grace by looking back and saying, I still choose you and I want you. No matter what's in your past, no matter how dirty the sin is, no matter how deep the sin goes, I want you and we're going forward. All Jesus wanted to know was, do you still love me? Do you still love me? That's all that matters in this moment. Because I still love you no matter what happened in your past. Again, I went to the cross for that and I'm going to go to the cross. Sorry, I've already been to the cross for your present and what will happen in your future. Stop thinking about it. Stop trying to make up for it. We're going forward together. But I got to know that you love me. I got to know that we are together to the end because you will need me in the end. Now what? Jesus recommissions him with love and grace. And as Jesus directs his eyes and mind forward, we have things to do, Peter. Let's leave this behind and move forward. The road ahead is going to be hard and uncomfortable. And there will be suffering for my name. Jesus tells him in this moment that there will be suffering. You see this right at the end of this passage of John 21. He says this. Go back up here. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, which is a metaphor for crucifixion. You will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you to where you do not want to go. Jesus is very clear with Peter. As long as I know that you love me, I know that you'll go to the ends of the earth for me no matter what the cost. That's where I want us to get tonight to understand. Jesus directs his eyes and minds to move forward and tells him that suffering is coming. You see, this moment, Jesus is becoming more than just a teacher or a rabbi to Peter. He's becoming Peter's king. When Jesus becomes your king more than just your savior, it means that your loyalty and life is given in service to the good king. You don't just get a fire insurance card because he's your savior. But because he's your king, he's calling you to allegiance and service of him to whatever end that might bring you to. First Peter four, one through five says, since therefore Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourself with the same way of thinking so as to live for the rest of your time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, Orgies, lawless idolatry with respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them, but they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Although believers 
will never totally be free from sin in this life. Believers endure suffering for the sake of Christ. We endure suffering for the sake of Christ. This sounds like a different Peter than the one we know in John. Than the one that stood by that charcoal fire as he denied Jesus. This is a different Peter. What's different? Jesus is now his prize and his king forever. That's what's different. Is he your prize and your king? Or are there other things in this world that you are more willing to give your life up for? Or to risk your life for? Or to give your time and money and energy to? Or is Jesus your prize? Is he the one that you love? Is he your king? Paul also spoke about suffering for Christ in Philippians 3. He says, indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Hear that. He is counting everything he has suffered as loss for the sake of just knowing Christ. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies ahead, or sorry, lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those who are mature think this way. You see, Peter and Paul knew what it was to see Jesus as the good and gracious king. Because he was the king worth giving up everything else for, to know and to follow. Do you feel that way about Jesus as king? When you know Jesus as more than just savior, but as king, you speak like Peter and Paul. Why should the followers of Jesus expect a different life and call than the king that they follow? Their king suffered. Why should we expect anything different? The world hated Jesus. They put him on a cross. We will suffer here on earth. That part is not up for debate. Whether it be for following Jesus or because we live in a fallen world, suffering is going to happen. You see, I think if we sat down with Peter toward the end of his life, he would have said this. Friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't doing his job. Instead, be glad that you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just around the corner. If you are abused because of Christ, count yourself fortunate. It's the spirit of God and his glory in you that brought you to to the notice of others. If they're on you because you broke the law or disturbed the peace, that's a different matter. But if it's because you're a Christian, don't give it a second thought. Be proud of the distinguished status reflected in that name. It's judgment time for God's own family. We're first in line. If it starts with us, think what it's going to be like for those who refuse God's message. If good people barely make it, what's in store for the bad? So if you find life difficult because you're doing what God said, take it in stride. 
Trust him. He knows what he's doing and he'll keep on doing it. You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. You are not alone. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. Hear that. The suffering will not last forever. It won't be long before this generous and good and gracious God who has great plans for us in Christ, eternal and glorious plans. We will have you put together and on your feet for good. He gets the last word. Yes, he does. Are we willing to suffer for our good and gracious king? Because here's the deal, guys, we miss this. We don't get this. I don't get this. We live in a world here in coming Georgia that does not understand suffering for Christ. Part of that is because we've created in the South this bubble where we don't have to suffer because it's acceptable to follow Jesus. Now, I actually don't think it's acceptable to follow Jesus. I think if each of you in this room actually followed Jesus in the way that he has called you in Scripture to follow him, you would endure suffering. You would endure persecution. Are you willing to do that? Our suffering is not for eternity because one day forever we will be with the king It was worth suffering for because he loved and suffered for us first. Guys, the suffering is not forever. If you love Jesus, coming back to the first question, do you love Jesus? And in that moment that Peter was in, if someone came up to you with a chance that your life or your status or your reputation was on the line to say, yes, I do love Jesus. Would you say yes?